Hey Auntie is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. We acknowledge that this is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. And we extend that respect to all Indigenous Australians and Indigenous mob all over the world. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. There you are. I've been expecting you. I've just popped the kettle on. Come on in. Hi, and welcome to Hey Auntie. I'm Chantelle Weatherall, and it's my absolute pleasure to have you join me. Hey sis, come on in, take a seat, and make yourself comfy. With Hey Auntie, we're going to remix the proud tradition of the Black Auntie, and we're going to use it to demonstrate that there's millions of ways to be a magical black woman. Sounds good? Hey Auntie! Hey Auntie! Hey Auntie! Hey Auntie! Hey Hey Welcome to the final part of this episode. Hey Auntie, how do you deal with a dickhead? It's been quite a ride so far. And I'm so pleased to have been joined by the amazing Kim Busty Beats um, of Hot Brown Honey's fame. Now, Kim moved to Australia from South Africa um, when she was quite young with her family, and she's had to get used to the cultural differences, one of which really is dealing with um, the culture of toxic masculinity and really uh, dickheads that she's faced while she's been here. Um, Also been extremely challenging as she's pursued a career in the arts and particularly the music industry. So she talks about run-ins she's had in her time as a performer and she also kind of takes a bit deeper to talk about the sinister underbelly, the darker side of this phenomenon that we don't really like to talk about in polite company too much. Such an insightful, intelligent and humorous chat. I absolutely loved it and so we gabbled on for ages. I know that you will too. Check it out. Let me know what you think. (laughs) I think it's just, um, you know, growing up in Australia, like that has been such a... um, you know, such a distinct part of this world, (laughs) you know. So, like, I was born in South Africa and came here when I was very young as a refugee. So, um, yeah, that has been a real, like, I suppose it's just been a real juxtaposition living a very kind of um, South African family life, you know, I think what's going on um, in this country as well as what the kind of idea of a dickhead is and how that kind of does infiltrate many parts of my life. (laughs) Boy, they make their presence felt, don't they? (laughs) Yes, they do. Oh Oh my goodness. (laughs) That would have been so interesting. Yeah. Having a real African home life. Did you have a lot of memories of South Africa when you moved to Australia? Yeah, look, it was under a lot of very, you know, kind of uh, hardcore circumstances, I suppose. Like at the time, um, my my parents sort of were fleeing apartheid. My dad was in the teachers union and he, um, I don't, we don't know. We don't know a lot of information. At the time, so many people were going missing, you know, just would disappear. So like when my dad got a plane to Australia of all places, um, you know, that was a real sort of, um, we're just not sure how that happened. And then um, my mum then followed and their passports were cut up when my mum arrived with me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So here you are in Australia, your new home. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's that kind of, um, even though the country was under so much oppression, in South Africa, there was, you know, my family had such a community under that as well. Australia was very, uh, for my mum, I know it was quite isolating. 
Absolutely. And you know what? That's, that's why I thought it was so important to have this conversation about dealing with dickheads because people, when I talk to people, it's so interesting how polarizing the responses are. And I think yeah. you, can, you can guess which lines they polarize down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In that white people are like, that's either that's funny or I think some people think I'm being a bit cheeky being an outsider mm. saying that about Aussies. But then when I yeah. say it to women of color or other mm. people with any sort of difference, they get mm-hmm. it immediately because it's their lived experience. Yeah. Do you have a experience or a story you can share that for you, you know, typifies the sort of dickhead behavior that you've had to put up with? Um, yeah, it's, su- it's such an interesting sort of term as well because like we know it we live it (laughs) like you know we know that term as what it is but it's quite an insidious term as well it's quite um there's there's a bit of there's darkness in there um especially in a country like australia where we are on stolen land and there is so much you know there's so much going on with with the indigenous people and um what's going on with a a conversation around race and gender Mm. that um you know the darkness around what a dickhead is comes to play you know in an australian context it's about you know oh the larrikin it's just jokes it's 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 just a joke it's fine you know that's just the way we are behaviors and attitudes that have just kind of ripped to shreds women of color in particular you know yeah because we have both left both layers australia undoubtedly undoubtedly and undeniably now has a problem with women and has Mm -hmm. a problem with people of color and so if you are at the intersection of both of those things you are Mm -hmm. copying it on multiple levels and this dickhead stuff i'm really loving talking to women and scratching the surface of what is sometimes considered a throwaway thing and saying actually below the surface it's not random it's not humor and actually it's just the thin edge of the wedge of oppression that we face Exactly, exactly. It's that's just so true. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia's so built on so much oppression. Like, you know, the whole country is built on colonization. So, you know, being a part of that web that's been woven has been um, more than upsetting. So, when people do make these comments, and I suppose dickheads uh, come to the forefront and they are so in the forefront. It's actually just a a real reflection of of what this country is. The normalization of these opinions to the point it's considered humor. Yes, 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 that's exactly it. And um, yeah, this real idea of it's just a joke, oh, we're just joking around, uh, like is is quite, um, yeah, it's quite dark. It is because it puts you in a predicament right? Where the social norm that's been accepted is Mm -hmm. a certain amount of, it's almost like threatening behavior because when a dickhead enters your space, Mm -hmm. you you become aware that you're no longer safe. Yes. And this is really fresh because I flew back from Sydney yesterday and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. of course I get on the flight and I'm sat in a seat in front of two rows of lads Australian lads who are drunk and have been away on a guy's weekend and they are literally carbon copy dickheads, just total dickheads. From the second I got onto the plane and took my seat, they were Mm -hmm. shouting, they were swearing, they were making really offensive jokes. They were talking about C word this and F word Mm. that and people's kids were sat there, but they were just taking ownership of the space in a way that they were in their, you know, maybe 25 years of life have been taught their right. Right. Every person within earshot was nervous. Every person was nervous. I was nervous because I was right in front of them and I was like, Mm -hmm. there is a 50, 50 chance that they're going to decide it's funny to start having a crack at me now. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. and I'm trapped here now, and I also know that the air hostesses immediately 
as soon as they clocked them, started laughing along with their jokes, placating yeah. them. Oh, lads, lads, can you just, sorry to bother you, lads. Can you put your seatbelt yeah. on, lads? Yeah. That's yeah. our approach to dickheads. It's like they're some, yeah. sort, of, some sort of national treasures. Yeah, yeah totally, <laughs> totally. And that, that entitlement is something that is just, um, you know, like you said, everyone was nervous. It actually creates a lot of fear with anyone that's not in that space, that anyone's not a young white male, you know, in, in that area because it, it is so, um, it's affronting. And, yeah, the entitlement is so massive that it blocks out anyone else or any other view possible and they would not have been consciously aware of this but mm -hmm. they were they were doing was they were exercising their right angelina hurley came up with this she said yes. they colonize space and that's what yes. they were doing they were exercising their right to take control of that space because they wanted to and that's what yeah. they were reveling in they weren't yeah. getting a thrill out of shouting because it was funny. They were getting yeah. a thrill out of enjoying the fact that they're allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. And it's definitely Angelina Hurley. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really a, a part of this bigger problem as well like where um these really entitled people feel that they have the right to speak on anything and speak about anything and um have opinions on things <laughs> like it's just um yeah the whole kind of root of a whole heap of like oppression what do you reckon are the markers of dickhead behavior um, definitely, there's definitely a loudness around it, like, um, yeah, um, entitled, of course, and, um, yeah, a, a, a real, um, inability to see what's going on around, you know, it's, I always love saying this, read the room, <laughs> whether you're on a plane, whether you're in a cafe, whether you're in a... Uh, uh, you know speaking on a panel or you know in an audience it's like read the room have a care of the impact yeah. you're having on other people but yeah. you know I sometimes wonder what it would feel like to not have to read the room you know to just be able oh, to, yes. to just be able to act out and expect yeah. no blowback actually expect to be Good. laughed at and patted on the back back I know what a what a different life experience. <laughs> you know what a right. wow! It would be just so different to have that. You know that way of thinking that, and also this idea that like what you're doing is okay and right. You know that where I see so many women of color who are quite amazing, and I would say are just like so right. <laughs> like you know but they don't get that. They're not treated that way. They're not treated that same way. I felt so disempowered. I felt, yeah. you know, I'm a confident woman in my late thirties and I feel yeah. immediately felt so vulnerable because mm -hmm. I knew that this other marker of dickhead behavior of cloaking it in humor. Yes just enough permission that everyone else around, if they'd started being racist towards me, would have, mm -hmm. would have had enough of an out to just laugh it off. Laugh it off. Yep. 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 And then there's that really like that, that, that real segment too of, of people who were just, the fear is so real as well that they will laugh along. They will just go, yep, all right, we're laughing because we don't want to be the next person attacked here. Well, that's it, right? Everyone is just thinking, who are they going to be laying into next? Mm -hmm. And you keep your head down in the hope that it won't. I put my headphones in, even though my phone mm. was dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just wanted to try and take myself out of the equation yeah. yeah so that they would maybe think oh we're not going to get a response out of her and leave yeah. me alone yeah. I think that that kind of helped but it was such a it was such an incredible example and they were just like six mm. or seven guys in their early 20s and mm. they had just never ever had to think about 
reflecting on what their behavior was like and yeah what it was doing to everybody else around them yeah yeah well it's very it's very interesting so i i grew up playing music and playing in like punk rock bands and indie pop bands wow um, so um that in australia like was a really interesting experience but also there was this massive festival scene that was happening back in the you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. That was just a pinnacle for dickheads. Uh, it was so clear, which was really interesting because there was brilliant artists playing all the time. Amazing artists. There was a festival called The Big Day Out and that, yeah, we got to perform with like Rage Against the Machine was on one stage. Wow. And, you know, Rancid, Bjork, like all these quite amazing artists. But I always remember, like, um, I think it was 2005, maybe, was another time I performed there with a, a, a group called Sister She. And we played on the st same stage as a, uh, a band called The Donners. And what happened when these female-led bands hit the stage was, like, I think it was just such a such an insight into the world of the dickhead oh, <laughs> you know? wow tell me more yeah so it really had you know that entitlement stuff like abuse being hurled at these women like you know we um, came here for this how mm -hmm. dare you not give us yeah. exactly what we asked for asked for exactly and there seems to be a um a, a, a real uh, issue with alcohol <laughs> as well. Oh like, yeah. So that's bringing out a whole heap of um, a whole heap of the, uh, giving the courage to be even more entitled, I suppose. And then the pack mentality. When I was chatting <laughs> with Angelina, she pointed out that when they get into a pack, they really egg each other on. So I'm just imagining what it would have been like for you to come out on stage. Yeah. Park of boozed up, you know, yeah. pub rock blokes thinking that they're yeah. going to get another male band who they can go, yeah, 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 we're all men. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was quite like, yeah, and, and I will be really clear in saying those, you know, as much as I had some brilliant experiences playing in bands and like some really great people around, it was a majority white scene. It was um, also um, the, the fact that there was so many, so many dickheads meant that that, that was never really a safe place to be. Um, we pushed through. We just pushed through. Yeah. Yeah. But do you um, think that's an accident? I actually, the older I get, Kim, the more I think that some of this dickhead behaviour is about creating that feeling of unsafe. You know, it's about yeah. making sure that you can't put down roots in a scene that they want to yeah. keep for themselves. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And it's, yeah, that, that's what I mean by that darkness, I feel. Even though people are, you know, you, you're oh, just a dickhead, just ignorant, just like, you know, doesn't know any better. You know, we've got a whole conversation going on about this behaviour. But actually, it's, it's just a microcosm of what's going on in the world. Um, and in Australia in particular, it's actually... Um, the allowance of this kind of kind of horrible entitlement to continuously be in place, you know. So there's no real um nobody's taking taking the reins. Nobody's yeah. you know I've I've seen posters up saying no dickhead policy, etc. But yeah. I also have never seen a dickhead being challenged or thrown out of a venue. Right. Yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. Um, I've seen dickheads that, being brought beers by their friends who stand 10 metres away yeah, and let, yeah, let yeah. them carry on harassing people and being dickheads um, and stay a safe distance away and laugh at the comedy of yeah. it all while they ruin other people's time. But I've, I've never seen any follow through on this no dickhead policy stuff. Yeah, that's really, that's very interesting too, because I'm always, I'm, because I've been back and forth to the UK so much too, I'm kind of looking at spaces around the world that have different types of 
policy in place, like whether it be Afropunk or, um, you know, the Marlborough pub down in Brighton, really specific policy around like behaviour. In Australia, I have not seen anyone put this into place, even though I'm constantly on my like music equality groups going, oh, come on, like, here's some more information. Here's some more insight. Like there's a real protection of the dickhead as well. There is. I think we didn't have any choice. We've gotten to the point of acknowledging their existence because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's unavoidable. Um, But we've also, it's almost like we've babied them with the label of dickhead. It's like, oh, it's only only whoever is just being a dickhead. And we're not, what we're doing there is sort of avoiding the more difficult conversation of saying no racism at this venue. Yeah. No, yeah, no sexual right. harassment at this venue. Yeah, no, yeah. no violence will be accepted at this venue. No making people mm-hmm. feel threatened. And no dickhead policy is a nice little like, oh yeah, you know, let's not talk about anything that's a downer. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. And while I feel like people might have some good intentions with that, it's really interesting, especially in Australia, in an industry that is actually run by dickheads. How do they then police other dickheads? <laughs> when you, you say know. that, do you mean you've had run-ins with males in the music industry who've just been acting like entitled dickheads? Yeah, yeah, totally. And really quite... Um, it's quite full-on because you add power to that. You add another right. level of... And you, you're actually dealing with some narcissist egomaniacs, really. Right. Feel that they can actually um, choose, you know, who, who gets to do what and how many places there are and all of that stuff. Can you think of an example that would illustrate that for us? Obviously, you can change the names to protect the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah, definitely. There's been, like, there's a definite booker who used to book bands. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they, they've moved into a, a into quite a huge position now. They've become an artistic director of a show, wow. I mean, of a festival. So they've moved their way through. I like, tell you, you what, know. being a dickhead is no impediment to success in this country, I tell you. Yes, but Australia is just all about the mediocre white male as well. So mm. <laughs> really, if you can have those qualities of a... Um, those larrikinisms and those like, oh, you know, the dickhead qualities, people are going to make way for you. Like they, I've seen it happen over and over again. And I'm just like astounded because it's not about the work ethic, (laughs) really about this like, oh, but that's, that's the one we want to, we want to raise up. Do you think it's because it's mistaken for having a personality? (laughs) Possibly, yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, so old mates going around being a dickhead as a booker already. So he's booking, yeah. booking yeah. people for uh, events and festivals. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. now managed, someone's tapped him on the shoulder and gone, I've seen you being a dickhead and thought, my goodness, that's the person to give this incredible role. <laughs> Highly responsible and incredible role to. Has he buckled down now and changed and become a better person? Oh God, like it's just that thing too where you can actually see in the programming that he hasn't. Right. <laughs> Once again, it's still, um, you know, mostly male bands that get the gig. Um, you know, it's really clear uh, where he, he has his allegiances and, um, you know, what is the crowd that he wants to kind of uh, engage with. <laughs> Well, that's a really interesting point that you draw on there, actually, because what I what I think is at play there a lot is that Dickhead wants to continue to create the impression that the world outside of him is exactly in his image. Yes. So that he centers himself in the world and normalizes his adolescent behavior. The Dickhead hates diversity because when yeah. there is a whole bunch of different people around, it really stands out what a butthead he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there'll, right. pe- there'll be people there who go, no, nah, I don't get it, mate, not funny. Yeah, yeah. And you can really, I, I mean, travelling around the world, like when you're around Australians, 
and that that behavior is seen by other people in the world it's it becomes really clear actually and really okay okay this is um you know pe people don't have as much um time for that behavior they just know. don't they just don't yeah. i'm you know we certainly will undoubtedly have people who push it too far in the uk where i'm yeah. from but yeah. i think the dif the the difference for me is that you learn pretty fast if you are crossing a line regularly that you're yeah. not going to get invited back next time yeah here it feels like that it's just accepted it's just like oh yeah and then you, they know ne there's never any consequences yeah yeah that's right and the consequences are very yeah there's not any that can actually be like you know realistic and like moving towards a, a being a better person <laughs> you know um yeah. But why would they? Why would they when they feel like the world is theirs already? What motive yeah. do they have to change? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's really right. And I suppose I, I've just been like thinking about this. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the term Oz hip hop. Oh, I've got so <laughs> many, so many feelings. <laughs> Oh, because I feel like that particular scene, as it's gone down, like in the last decade, um, is was has really been a real pinnacle of what the dickhead is. You know, look, I had massive beef back in 2012 or so, a few years ago, but like uh, it's still, you know, actually, um, for me, rings true because it's a a group of young privileged white men using uh, uh, an African-American art form that's come out of oppression to then create a whole world and a whole audience of the same values, basically like culture jacking, but also, um, but also like the, what Oz hip hop actually, um, you know, was about, was about having, an Aussie sound and about having a particular way of talking. So it already just completely um, pushed out Indigenous artists, you know, it really made it this particular type of scene. So, you know, there'd be gigs where you would turn up to these gigs and it would be like any female that was on stage or non-binary person that was on stage. Firstly, it would be amazing if you got the gig. Right. So such a like that mentality of like this is ours no one else is allowed in you know but then audience was just so yeah hostile and and that's about audience development you you know you cannot be what you cannot see but oh, when you do see yes. things then you become those things as well if you, you're like artists always um, you know, look at culture and reflect it back. And I feel like that particular scene was like really reflecting back Aussie dickhead culture. Yeah, it's like it can, it's like culture can either, art can invite you to expand your world mm -hmm. or it can be like this really weird funhouse mirror where in every direction all you see is a reflection of yourself and you just yeah. become a more concentrated version of yourself and there's yeah. no expansion going on at all um, yeah. yeah and i think that that is the risk of these kind of closed shop cultures yeah where they yeah. jealously guard the borders against anyone yeah. else coming in um yeah which is you know bad enough when it's just unnecessarily exclusionary and you're asking why like mm. with the pub rock scene a little bit I think um, yeah but then when you get into the hip-hop thing it's like it's even more perverse because yeah. it's like we jacked this from you and now <laughs> yeah. we want to keep you out and then it's an yeah. echo it's an echo chamber it's, yes, it's dangerous it. to be in an echo chamber especially if it's a dickhead in there because all these yeah, 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 back right. It's okay to be a dickhead, a dickhead, a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Right. And particularly that scene too, it became this massive thing in this country. 
nowhere else in the world, but just in this country, it became this massive, massive thing that like where these artists were actually making a lot of money and um, presenting a lot of like sort of, oh God, it's just like that terrible kind of larrikinism that just like became all about like, you know, it was homophobic, it was transphobic. Um, it's yeah. a downward spiral. Um, yeah. I think that Patty Grace, who I interviewed for yeah. part two, talks about an antidote to being around dickheads is that you need to have people around you who will challenge you and give you opportunities to grow. And I, yes. also, I also think that the, the difficulty when you get these little closed cultures with dickheads in them is that they are self-perpetuating and mm -hmm. it just gets worse and worse because like once they give each other, they give each other permission to lower yeah. standards all the time. And also I think it becomes like, like the guy who, who I can't even remember the race Piccanini or some racist nonsense that he said yeah. to me, uh, they, they, get bored and they need to go lower and lower yeah the same kit. yeah 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 that's totally it and like that can be I mean it, it's been so interesting especially I suppose I go in the last 10 years because that's when I've been really kind of doing a lot of work throughout the arts um but seeing the um the real sort of you know the real presence under certain governments of dickheads how they particularly feel you know more permission. entitled more permission yeah and um and how that's kind of pushed its way into the arts in a in a big way like wow. we can talk about comedy if you want to <laughs> please let's wow. do that because that's part of your wider world right and there is an ongoing yeah. debate going on like australia women are dying every week of misogyny, yeah. whether we want to talk about that or not. And yeah. the fact is misogyny doesn't start with a man killing his wife. It mm -hmm. starts with this casual devaluing of women that happens every day. This, yeah. this like aggressive assertion of this yeah. one dimensional reductive mm -hmm. vision of masculinity yeah, yeah. Like art is such an important part of reinforcing culture that it's yeah. important to talk about the dickheads in art. Yeah. And comedy, because comedy. Yeah. <laughs> look at Nanette, that incredible yeah. piece of work by um, Hannah. She talked so eloquently about the power of comedy to disempower, and she speaks from inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time uh, I went to Edinburgh Fringe was back in 2000 and 2006, <laughs> I think. And, um, yeah, I feel really strong. Like, I think the net is just so clear to me, you know, because we were doing a number of shows and we did shows with Hannah and stuff too, like, like all those spot shows and stuff like that. Nice. And there was a, a particular kind of night. It was run by an Australian and it really had that oh this is run by a dickhead this is a mm. this is we're going to push this this idea and then kind of really recognizing that that was not a safe space for women of color it was not a safe space for queer people and um you know like we do we just get pushing through like going, no we have to we have to be seen. We have to like get up there and do this. But you perform yeah. there. And yeah. what were you copying? Just copying flat. Once the proprietor has set the tone, then the yes. audience will follow, right? So you must have yes. been copying all sorts. It was, yeah, it was, it was so full on. Um, but like very interestingly, <laughs> not as full on as the kind of gigs that were happening that we did in Australia. Wow. So. Australia was really like, you know, we would do the comedy festival, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, that was just like, once again, that microcosm, that jealously guarded um, space that was very much uplifting white men. I 
I say mediocre. <laughs> and it was um, belittling to audience, belittling to women, very clearly racist, like all those things that you go, oh, now I, I watch that comedian now and go, oh, they've changed their tune because the world has changed or yeah, have they changed, right. you know, what's going on here? Because they're still doing their spots and they're still getting those crowds in, but like um, they've made that bed. <laughs> You know? Yeah, well, I think in comedy, isn't isn't the counter argument from these comedians that, oh, everything is fair game in comedy? What do you reckon mm. to What do you reckon to that? Um, I just think every human being is accountable for what they say and do. So, so go for um, your life, mate. But yeah, be accountable and be ready to actually be questioned on that and. Um, be questioned on uh, why and how you're doing that and who is it for? Like, who, who, who do you want to make laugh? Because if you're making fun of black women, you're not making black women laugh, right? True. They're already telling you that not only are they making you the butt of the joke, but they're also mm-hmm. saying you're, you don't matter here. Um, you've just made me remember an experience that was so crummy and it was when I was backpacking around the world with my mm-hmm. my uh, boyfriend and I was so young I was like 18 19 and we went yeah. to LA when we were at this youth hostel and we made friends with this yeah. bunch of people they said let's go to the comedy comedy store and we'll go and watch some comedy and we've walked in there like a real multiracial group of people from a from a youth hostel and obviously the waitress has been primed you know if there's good there's fresh meat bring them up the front and so she's brought us to our table and as we're walking into the table to be seated she takes us right to the front and then there's a man on stage and he is the the uh compare guy in between Mm. um and he just stops mid-sentence and uh says to my boyfriend and the guy the other white guy who was behind me um are you two guys sharing that black girl oh wow yeah just appropriate to nothing yeah yeah and and it's like is it funny that's not funny like it's just not it's not even funny mate it's, it's not even like anything it's like what there's this huge you know the usual argument about women not being funny and blah 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 but I'm just like actually you know what making a comment like that is not funny and And if people are laughing I'm like are you you laughing because you're nervous he didn't have any material basically Mm -hmm. he didn't have any material Mm -hmm. his entire skit was just making uh racial comments to people in the crowd um and it was like that was so shocking to me, but obviously when you're a, mm. when you're a 19 year old, you're just kind of yeah. stunned into silence. But I yeah. also, as a as a 37 year old woman now, I know I don't mm-hmm. look it. Um, I think <laughs> I think would you say that to me now? And I don't reckon yeah. you would, because I reckon another marker of a dickhead is they only yeah. ever punch downwards. Yes. Yes. That's right. They will only punch down. It's quite sinister because it is like, it's like, um, it's, it's like perpetrators. It's behavior. Like, you know, finding someone who they deem weak, who they deem not strong enough to talk back, you know. It's not um, random people. That's the thing. No, the whole, no. oh, that's just Darren. He's a dickhead. Don't worry about him. No, he's mm. not. Because frankly, the only way that you behave like a dickhead for your entire life, like so many people do, yeah, and get away with it and keep doing it is because you've never been punched out. And that is because yeah. you yeah. pick your victims yeah. well. And that is because you zero in on the people who you consider that you'll get away with isolating. Yeah, that is right. That's right. And 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 you can see that, especially with the mob mentality stuff as well like you know that 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 becomes very um very clear especially I'm thinking back to like these uh, music festivals and stuff like that that became very clear because there were so few people from minority backgrounds there as well they were easy targets yeah so talk Um, me through it you arrive you arrive there you're backstage 
the, yeah. the crowd is outside. They've had a good few cans at this point. And you are so yeah. excited because you've gotten this massive opportunity That's to play a at a gig. Yeah. But yeah. what's going through your mind before you go on stage? Yeah, well, it's definitely, for me at that time, it was definitely scanning. I was always scanning the crowd, scanning, looking for other black women all the time. Boy, that's so true. We really look yeah. for it. Just, I just need one yeah. friendly face. That's all I need. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, kind of knowing that, like, you know, it, for, the, for them in that situation as well would be like. True. If the crowd difficult. goes nasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, and really then just like it's 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 like a series of kind of um uh a series of doing. So, you know, making sure that you Ooh. you have your walls up that you're safe. May may we just pause to just yeah. absorb the gravity of what you just said and what how inc- how much of a damn strength of black women that is. Our yeah. lives are a series of just doing the damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. We just kind of do it, you know. And usually we have a whole heap of, you know, a whole heap of strategies in place already that we know that are clear to us that, you know, we've learnt or have been passed down to us as well, you know, that, that we know that, we're, we're in this situation right now and what we're going to do here is what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. So you get out on stage. Mm. Are you just like, we're going to play our damn songs? You, do you, did you yeah. um, win the crowd over? Um, we were just like, I know we were like, we're just going to play, you know, kind of push stuff, push, push it, anything behind us, like that we could actually go, oh, my God, like, you know, we know we know what's going to happen. Yeah. But we also know that there are some young women in the crowd who are going, yay. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah. my, my, yeah. I've got a knot in my tummy thinking of you doing that. Cause I, cause I think sometimes people see our courage and see us pushing through, but they don't yeah. realize that just cause you're doing it doesn't mean you are not absolutely terrified throughout. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And like, I mean, these kind of, I mean, well, you know, I'm in my forties now too. So this has been really a series of life events. Like, and choosing, I don't know whether I chose art. I know that it is a part of my life and a part of what I do, but I know like, so are these real encounters with like dickhead culture. Um, and that, that's been across my whole career like uh, on all these different levels you know from people yelling out racist stuff from an audience to um you know people who think they've got the right to to cut stuff from our show <laughs> like you know so like what like people just thinking oh, they know better yeah. than you yeah there was one particular like our first kind of you know, incarnation of hot brown honey. We had a very specific, you know, we, it was like we had these two parts of the show and we were kind of just, you know, starting to put it together. And we had like a technical manager, actually. We had the big stop sign. There was a big stop sign, which is like stop the forced enclosures of Aboriginal communities. And we were like, we're going to put that up, you know, for our um, at interval. That's going to go up. And yeah, he basically just took it, took it down, took the slide down. Wow. Um, said it was higher management that had taken it down of the venue and the higher management were actually sitting in the audience not knowing what was going on. Wow. It was just like, yeah. Entitled. Like, yeah, you don't want this up. You don't want this to happen. So you're going to you're gonna just, just take it down, <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah. You're yeah. like, um, this is our names on the poster mate yeah yeah no one's coming to see the hot mediocre white man (laughs) i didn't buy a ticket for that yeah and kind of how we have to like i said then we've got a series of doing a series of strategies that we have to take into account and what, what what do we do how do we do it and always weighing the cost up like you know it's 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 quite uh 
<laughs> it's quite heavy at times because it is that thing of like, no, we want to do this, um, this amazing thing that we're doing that we all do our lives. Right. And then it's just, um, at every point, it's like, like, what is the cost of that? What is the um, compromise on that, that that has to happen? Yeah. How do I not let this person win by yeah. putting me out of this space? Yes. But how do I stay in this space in a way that I can reconcile with my my personal dignity, basically? Yeah. And because we, we, um, we roll deep. the consideration is for all these amazing women of color like what they will go through do actually talk a lot (laughs) having meetings because we need to go okay this thing happened which might seem quite small to you know anyone else who came into this building that was a white male might not even consider that a thing but it's actually a thing and we need to talk about that thing because we're all having different reactions to that thing. Oh, it's so beautiful that you hold the space for each other like that though. Cause I actually think one of the biggest tolls that this takes on us is the fact that Mm. so many of us are enduring this stuff alone and it drip, drip, drips onto us to the point where I think we start questioning ourselves. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, I do feel that when I'm away from the crew as well to go, oh, yeah, this is actually happening happening daily, just down the road. Like, I was just, like, walking up to my daughter's school and, like, someone yells, a dickhead yells out of a car. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Like, that's, that's not, doesn't belong to me. What it's was he, mine. was he yelling something racist? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like really? Yeah. I love what you said. That's not mine. It's like they are literally throwing something in your lap and then you got to deal with it. Yeah. 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 And, and unfortunately because of like my own experience, but the experience of colonization that's continually happening in Australia, it's, it's also like that throwaway line is actually really loaded. A lot can come with that trauma. Like, you know, that, that's loaded with some trauma in there like um you know like any slur is um but in Australia I'm like wow you're actually um I feel like dickheads back to what we were saying before it's like you have to know the power of what you what you have and what you do and be accountable for that even if you just think you're real funny by you know yelling something out of a car I I hear you and I agree a hundred percent. And I, I honestly, I'm in such, I'm so conflicted because I, firstly, I think it's important for me when I experience these people to not further empower them by giving them my power. But I also think a dilemma, a genuine dilemma that we face is that it's also important for my own mental health that I acknowledge the impact that behavior has on me so trying to find a path between those two things is is tough yeah yeah definitely and it's very much a balancing act uh, daily to, to to be able to actually go okay you know and some days you're feeling strong and like you know that stuff can just flip off you it doesn't matter water off the duck's back you know you're just like whatever but then it's also on some days you're not strong and that's friggin' life and valid, you know? So it's just, um, yeah, walking that line, which is just, uh, it's just a constant and it's a constant for all the women of colour I know in this country, trying to work between these worlds that we work in. And decide what to shrug off and what, what you have to push back on how to apportion your energy so that it doesn't drain you, the joy out of you, your creativity out of you, your optimism out of you. I, I think, um, one massive benefit that I found is having friends who I can tell about these stories, who their immediate reaction is not to question me. I remember me and a, me and a, lovely friend of mine who's a Chinese Australian girl walking down the street and a, and a bunch of dickheads in a ute drove past and pelted us with eggs and yeah. um, 
I remember sharing a, a story about it on Facebook. And at that time, I was probably still laboring under um, trying to kid myself that things were not serious. And I think I made light of it. Yeah. Um, and what I actually was doing was sharing a, a racist thing that had happened to me. And yeah. the people I had around me at that time are not people who are in my life now. And I'm telling you, Kim, nine out of the 10 responses I got to that Facebook post were mm -hmm. Australian white people, white women, especially yeah. reassuring yeah. me that I didn't understand that that's just part of Australian's larrikin culture. Wow. And yeah. that I, it, it wasn't happening because I was black. Don't think that. And I realize now that I have friends who I can just tell about an experience who will mm -hmm. say, mate, that sounds awful. Yeah. What a dickhead. Yeah. That sounds really hurtful. Are you okay? Mm. That a massive part of my self care and my strategy for coping with dickheads is yeah. having people who will believe me and not erase me. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And just to be able to have that, you know, that, that, that vent or that let out to go, this happened again, <laughs> like, you know, this and um, for people to actually understand is, is huge, you know, it's, it's, it's really huge. And I know for me, like growing up here as well, there was just a lot of, um, uh, you know, invalidation, I suppose, of, the, of those sort of things occurring. So um, it, it was always, it was that same idea too. It was a lot of white women saying, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't how it is. Like, and I'm like, but it is how it is because this has happened. Yeah, like you say, the self-care of that, having people around you that, that get it, you know, yeah. on all those levels. And I, I, just imagine you guys and the hot brown honeys going around the world and being that support system for each other. And that's, that makes me so joyful. And then what you do yeah. is, you know, you make women feel seen and that's yeah. so important. And I feel like part of the reason I love having these conversations is mm. that there is going to be a woman listening who has dealt with a dickhead incident and yeah. has looked into the faces of her friends and colleagues and has mm -hmm. seen that kind of the shutter get pulled down of, Ooh, no yeah. one's, you know, like when a kid comes to your door on Halloween and you turn the lights off, a lot of Australians do when they think you might talk, engage them about racism, turn the lights out. Nobody, yeah. nobody yeah. moves. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because that I like, I feel like there's the, the denial in this country is massive. <laughs> like, so even scratching the surface on that is going to explode some floodgates. And actually I've heard a lot of my friends say, and I believe this to be true as well, is if you, if you grew up in this country, if you have lived in this country, there is no way that you don't have racism or that you don't have internal racism, like because of the way that it is, you know, and the way the education system works and the way the media works, like it's all there. And that's what has to be picked apart all the time. So when an overt incident happens and people are vocal about it, people just shut down and be like, be like no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't happening. This isn't happening because it's actually really deep, you know, it's deep seated. Yeah. It's like, it's too frightening to confront the one small incident because they feel mm. like it's like you start pulling on a piece of string and the whole yes. jump is going to unravel. Yeah. You yeah. start talking about that one dickhead. Next thing yeah. you're going to have to start talking about colonization. We don't want that over. <laughs> over beers yeah. and barbecue <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's it that's i think it. you're right that is part of the denial yeah. isn't it um for me i won't be silenced anymore yeah i won't be told that things that have hurt me um mm. are not real because i think that yeah. that's how we end up having mental health challenges i think to be honest oh totally totally yeah it's it it's actually so massive you don't even realize it's happening 
at times it's such a daily existence that there's no like you know we wonder why mental health like statistics soar full are being broken at every second you know especially people of color being told like what they're saying is not true and when when you're dealing with a dickhead in a space essentially the way i've been thinking about it is when you go into a space and there's a dickhead there or when you're in a space and a dickhead enters the space they whatever they say to you what they actually might as well be saying is you don't belong here yes exactly this is my space you cannot be in it why are you in my space like you know and, and will then um, figuratively or literally push you out of that space. You know? Or that- invite you to reduce mm. yourself to stay. Yes. That's the price. Yes. If you want to yes. stay, you need to accept this onslaught. It's like yes. you either have to leave this space or you have yep. to bow down to me being racist or inappropriate to you and take yep. it. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's Australia also in a nutshell. It's so, like, on that hierarchy, on that patriarchy shit, you know, that it's like, this is how it's going to be, or you're not welcome. Yeah, it's like some sort of bumper sticker situation. (laughs) Racist bumper sticker. (laughs) I read somewhere that in America... Groups that help people with um, alcohol abuse problems are reporting that the largest growing demographic of people reporting um, difficult relationships with alcohol is black women. Wow. Right? In Trump's America, I am not surprised. That is just so... Well, it's really telling, actually. Right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I read some really interesting stuff, especially around mental health as well, like disorders and stuff like that. It's just rising in black women because um, I know there's some nature there, but I know there's nurture too. In a culture that doesn't accept you and doesn't allow you to be valid, like that is going to have its effect. Well, you're being turned inside out to try and fit, trying to fit in, trying to be accepted, trying to be safe. Um, and then consistently reminded in big ways and small ways at your family wedding, at your workplace, on the plane, on the way home by mm-hmm. people that this is my space. If you want to be yep. in this space, you better be ready to be reduced. Yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, making sure that like you know that you're ready for that all the time is not only tiring it is gonna it's gonna be it's gonna have effects undoubtedly i think that taking care of my mental health seeking professional support is one of the best things i have ever done for myself and i think it's also why i feel safer to call a thing what it is since i've been really uh seeing my psychologist and taking care of my mental health I feel so much more uh, safe and entitled to say, no, that thing is hurting me, that thing that you're doing or that thing that you said. And I I really hope that other women of colour will do that for themselves as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. I saw a little directory too. I was like, oh my gosh, like that, that stuff for me is really important. Like having those connections to different databases, I suppose, and people who actually understand the situation and understand what's going on, um, you know, from that perspective is really important. So important. Have you, have you ever found, have you ever had a run in with a dickhead? And because when I, when I do, I normally have the situation happen and then I go home and I think of 25 wicked comebacks. (laughs) (laughs) that I I should have used have you ever found a really neat way of responding in a situation that you went home and you felt like "Mm, yep good (laughs) that was a good response um yeah at the at the times of it like you know I've been a I've been able to call someone out a dickhead out wow 
which has been quite amazing, but it has left me hypnotised, you know, that's the whole thing. And then I, I definitely have to see my counsellor and talk it through because I still feel like there, there could have been other ways to, to, to deal with the situation. We pay but, a price, whatever happens. We always pay a price. Yeah. But tell me, about, tell me about a time that you've, you've decided, no, I've, I've got to call this out. Um, yeah, definitely in the arts there have been many times, <laughs> but like once again, it's been about choosing, choosing which battles and we have a very, very strong philosophy now with Hot Brown Honey that it is like the stage is our battlefield. Um, wow. and yeah, we, we will, we will use that because that, that is what we do. That is what we're good at. And that is, um, how we, we want to, um, relate to the world. This is our battlefield. Now, as a part of Hot Brown Honey, we, we invite guests and we welcome them into the space and we also talk to audiences afterwards. Wow. So that has allowed for some of that, um, especially with some white women who've had a problem with the show, like to um, have their vent out. <laughs> We also go, this is still part of the show. So we've, we've had to put some strategies in place for all of us. So you can have your vent, but you yeah. need to know that you're going to do it in public. Yeah, yeah. You can't it. hide it. People around. There will be people around to witness. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's really funny because even, <laughs> even in the UK, like, it, you know, this one particular moment where there's, this wonderful woman brought her work friends and like there was one Australian in that group and they were the one that like fully just like was like how dare you represent Australia like this like definitely about whether we have a continued conversation or we stop it right there like you know you can say what you need to say right now and we can smile at you and go well, you know, that's great. But then if you take it to social media or if you take it, you know, any further than that, we're like, that's where it stops. Right. And we very, we very much choose where we go with that stuff. Like, you know, we choose to engage or not to engage because that's when we have, uh, that's when we're empowered to do so. I love know? that because you are yeah. then choosing where your energy flows. Yeah not yeah. having your energy pulled into negative yep. places because yep. of someone else's behavior. Yeah, exactly. And a couple of moments have happened, especially for some of the younger cast members, like where they've been like, um, you know, an audience member has had a go. And um, what were they expecting when they came to a show called Hot Brown Honeys? <laughs> and it's quite like, you know, we're just like, you know, we actually have a couple of lip movements and eyebrow movements or, you know, it's just like, and I'm going to bring my company manager over here and I will step out of this situation, um, you know, and then how we just let it go. You've got to let it go at the time and not allow it to be a part of your continued existence. Whatever it comes down to, like you said, there's a price. There's a price. And um, at this point for us, we're like, you know, we already give a lot. So we are not going to give any more than that. Yeah. I hear you. Because yeah. it, to some extent, that sort of dickhead behaviour, which I guess I would summarise as the entitlement of you have not done X, Y or Z thing the way that I expect yeah. it to be done. And now you yes. must be accountable to me, even though this is not my thing. Um, yeah. That is about demanding your attention. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's really quite, you know, the behaviour and the psychology behind that behaviour is very, um, it's very much about I'm the centre of the universe and I need to know this information and I feel like this. It's just kind of like, once again, look around you. This is a, this is a collective experience. This is what's going on here. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, there was a study actually done really recently in the UK about how when it, 
people are in a theatre or watching a live performance, everyone's heart starts beating at the same time. Wow. Um, yeah. So whether they're loving it or hating it or feeling the feels or not or whatever, it's like at some point physiologically we all start falling into step with each other. other. Yeah. I think that there is a real interesting conversation here around the level of comfort some people have with being part of a collective, especially a diverse collective. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that some people don't understand the extent to which they have been centered and yep. the world has been designed around their preferences yep. until yep. they find themselves becoming yep. part yep. of an amorphous mass like an audience. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. and I, you know, people like us and black women, we mm-hmm. never expect things to have been designed to accommodate us. Yeah. You know, we don't go in anywhere with an expectation that there will be the lipstick color that suits us or, yeah. you know, anything. But I think yeah. it's, it illustrates how much of a like, it's like, must be like jumping into cold water for some people to go, oh, mm. I'm just part of the crowd here. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that um, for us too, like we're from such varying heritages, but very much collective cultures, like um, whether it be from the islands or indigenous uh, land here or um, me being from South Africa, we do understand there is a collectiveness going on um, and that's been kind of really... um, pushed forward for us to go oh some people out there in the status quo have never ever dealt with this have they've never ever thought of this um yeah and um especially with the the dickhead i suppose they've never ever contemplated that it can be anything different it's the individualism isn't it the the Mm. primacy of individual ego and experience, which I think is very tied to this kind of mainstream um, capitalist yeah. culture that we have, yeah. that very you know, centers white male power, and it centers yeah. it centers the accumulation of power to you as one individual, rather yeah. than thinking yeah. about the way that you relate to your surroundings, be yeah. they people or the natural world world yeah yeah that's it so interesting i i'm still literally reeling from the idea of somebody coming to a hot brown honey show (laughs) and then being like oh very (laughs) day get a a hold of yourself (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. oh my goodness that is amazing yeah yeah um and your fantastic tagline (laughs) decolonize and moisturize could never be more appropriate (laughs) (laughs) i can't tell you how good it felt to say that on the stage at the south bank center (laughs) thanks again to my amazing guests and thank you for listening so you've heard what the aunties have to say what do you think heyauntiepod at gmail.com, Facebook, or Instagram. That's auntie, A-U-N-T-Y. Don't forget to like and subscribe and join us in a week for the next show.